Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life-ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast for the sake of the child. This is Tara Gleason, and I'm the producer. This week's podcast is going to be just a little bit different because many of you know that here at the Military Child Education Coalition, we also host parent-to-parent webinars every week, and sometimes they're twice a week. Well, in this week, you're going to get a peek into one of those webinars. It's called Transitioning Schools with Children with Exceptional Needs. And in this podcast, you're going to hear a conversation between Katya and Susan that took place during the webinar. So if you want to learn more, visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Go to the parent icon and you're going to be able to find all of our webinars right there. So check it out if you want to learn more. This podcast was brought to you by the Wounded Warrior Project. Hello, everyone, and thank you all for being here. I'm Katya Pinkston. I've been around the military for many years. I'm the spouse of a retired service member who was in the military for 30 years. We're currently located in Germany and have a student who goes to college in the state. Susan? Hi, I'm Susan Sellers, and I've been married to my active duty Army husband for almost 23 years now. Currently, we're stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, with our three military-connected kids, ages 14 now to 17. I joined the MSEC family in 2013 and podcast host for the sake of the child. One of the aims at the Military Child Education Coalition is to maximize the benefits of transition experiences for all of our military-connected children and to help lessen the impact of the challenges that they face due to their highly mobile lifestyle. In order to help achieve this, today we are going to address transitioning with students with exceptional needs with a focus on understanding the 504 and IEP. Let's discuss rights and policies that govern the area of special education. The Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, is a federal special education law that guarantees the rights to a free, appropriate public education in the least restrictive environment to children with disabilities. There are six main principles under IDEA. The first, appropriate education, and this is determined on an individual basis and cannot be the same for each child with a disability. IDEA requires that each child suspected of having a disability receives an appropriate evaluation. The evaluation must test in all areas of the suspected disability. IDEA also requires that the test results be used to write an individualized education plan, or known as IEP, to meet the student's needs. When talking about the least restrictive environment, IDA prefers that students with a disability are educated in a general education class with access to general education curriculum as appropriate for each child. Placement in the general education classroom is the first placement option the IEP team must consider. Additionally, IDEA requires that parents 
and students when appropriate participate in each step of the special education process and decision making. Procedural safeguards are a set of activities that ensure that the rights of children with disabilities and their parents are protected. It is something important to note that states and the DODEA school system define their own criteria in determining eligibility under IDEA. All DODEA schools in the United States and overseas use the same eligibility criteria. State criteria can be found on the individual state DOE website, and within DODEA school system, you can find it on their website. Special education teams, though, are referred to as case study committees, or CSC. In the public school system, the name for these particular teams will vary from state to state. So let's explore specifically what an IEP is and how it can support your child. Katja? So as we mentioned, the IEP is governed under the IDEA and it is a detailed written plan that outlines all the special education instructions, supports and services that a student needs in school to meet a student's unique needs. And it's also provided at no cost to parents. To qualify for an IEP, a child's school performance must be adversely affected by a disability in one of those 13 categories covered under IDEA. So once your child is identified as needing an IEP, a team is formed including you, the parents, or a legal guardian. Typically a general education teacher is going to be involved, a special education teacher, and a professional who can interpret evaluations results. Let us mention again the procedural safeguards. They are there so that you, as the parent, you have a say in the educational decisions for your child under IDEA. So in other words, you have a voice in this. School systems use their own standardized form for the IEP, and some of you who have moved from place to place may have seen that already. The IEP is reviewed and updated annually, and eligibility for services is then reconsidered every three years in accordance with the IDEA. We would highly recommend that you check out the DOD Special Needs Parent Toolkit for a lot of more detailed information. So let's talk now about the 504. Like an IEP, its purpose is to offer formal help for students at school. While an IEP falls under IDEA coverage, the 504 covers students who don't meet the criteria for special education, but who still require some accommodations or modifications. So children with disabilities can be eligible for classroom modifications or accommodations under the Americans with Disabilities Act Amendments Act. And yes, I just mentioned the word act twice. We double checked and that is what it's called. So students have the right to receive reasonable accommodations, assistive technology or school services to give them equal access to learning and school activities. In general, if a student is eligible for services under IDEA, that student qualifies for protection under Section 504. However, not all students covered by 504 are eligible for IDEA-related services. This is because Section 504 has much broader definitions of disability, so it pertains to many more people. Section 504 covers students who don't meet the criteria for special education, but who still require some accommodations, such as reduced homework, modified textbooks, 
perhaps preferential seating or extended time on tests. And these accommodations don't change what the child learns, just how they learn it. And the goal is to remove barriers and give kids access to learning. Therefore, that 504 plan modifies a student's general education program in a general classroom setting. And the 504 plan is monitored by classroom teachers. Susan? So to be protected under Section 504, a student must be determined to have a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities, such as learning, thinking, and concentration or behavior. Students covered also must have a record of a disability or are regarded as having a disability. Just to give you an example, conditions that may receive 504 accommodations could be allergies, diabetes, hearing, or speech impairment, or ADHD. If your student is covered under Section 504, consider having a plan that outlines all the accommodations or modifications in detail. There are no set rules on what a 504 plan could or should include. The 504 typically lists strategies like taking tests in a quiet space or getting outlines of lessons. Getting these 504 plans are especially important for military families who move frequently. You'll want to have records and documents of what strategies or modifications were used. For example, your student may receive extended time on tests and you'll want to have this put into writing, identifying what kind of test and especially how much extended time your student will receive. Again, doing this is going to help you as you PCS and your student moves into a different school. The 504 plans should be reviewed at least annually to determine if the accommodations are up to date and appropriate. Let's also talk about the Interstate Compact on Educational Opportunity for Military Children, known as the MIG-3. The goal of the compact is to replace the widely varying policies affecting transitioning military students. The compact addresses special education services for military students. Under the compact, the new school, also called the receiving school, will initially provide comparable services, which does not necessarily mean the exact same services. So that's very important to know. So they will provide comparable services to students with exceptional needs based on their current IEP or 504 plan. The receiving school may perform subsequent evaluations or tests to make sure that the student is appropriately placed and gets appropriate services. As a parent, it is really important to be proactive to increase that likelihood of a positive school transition experience with the optimal services in place each time that we move. So start off by, by getting information about the new areas and schools, programs, and services. Realizing nowadays we can get a lot of information online, we also recommend that you reach out to the school counselor and your MSEC, Military Student Transition Consultant, or MSTC, or affiliate, who can provide personalized transition support for you. One of the roles of the school liaison officer is special education system navigation. So please reach out to your SLO to find out local information and resources to help you in the process. 
So please ask your installation EFMP manager to contact the new installation's EFMP office and request any information or resources that will support your student. Because there are differences in educational standards and curriculum across states, expect differences when you move to a different state. States may set eligibility standards differently and use different methods for identifying children who are in need of services. So that's, that's very, very important to know that. Even if students are found eligible for special education, it doesn't mean that your child is going to receive those exact same services as your child did in that sending school. In case you're looking at private schools, please know that private schools are not regulated the same way as public schools and they are not mandated to follow an IEP or a 504, though most do, or many private schools do provide services for exceptional needs students. In that case, you really have to do your own research to figure out what is a better fit for your child. If you are considering a Department of Defense Education activity or DODIA school, or if you're moving overseas and your student will be going to a DODIA school, check out the DODIA website. It's got lots of information for parents on there, including for parents with an exceptional needs student. About 6% of military parents choose to homeschool their children and some services can still be provided by the public school that a child is zoned to. So please check with that local school to find out the local policies and check with your school liaison officer. Have your students IEP or 504 reviewed and if needed updated and if possible request that meeting to be completed six weeks prior to your move so that it is all signed and current. A new plan will carry more weight even if the new school must do a new assessment and IEP after you move. Susan? Thanks Katya. So let's talk about connections. As soon as you know where your child is going to school, we recommend that you contact the director of special education for the new school. Now this can be at the school or the district level, or they may not have one at all. In that particular case, speak to the special ed or resource teacher directly. It lets them know who's coming and it helps you to make decisions or connections before you get there. They may ask you to sign those appropriate releases so that the new school can request official copies of your child's records. Set up eligibility and placement meetings for soon after you arrive. Know that most will not set up an official meeting until you register your child, but at least you can give them a heads up and get an idea of the timeline for what needs to occur. Now, if possible, we highly suggest that you set up an appointment and do a tour of potential schools and talk with the building administrator. You can really get a better feel for the climate of the school and it will allow you to ask specific questions that relate to your child's needs prior to making the final decision on which school you want them to attend. And don't forget to request copies of any publications about the new school's special education services so you can make an informed decision. Another thought is to ask teachers and staff that provide services to your student to write letters outlining services or accommodations that they provide and also include their experience and suggestions, including what works and what doesn't work. 
This helps the new school provide comparable services. Recommendations from professionals can provide more detailed information to the new school district, and we suggest that you hand deliver or email a copy of these letters to your child's new classroom teacher or any other support person at your child's new school. Because as we know, not all documents in a student's file arrive or are read prior to your child's first day at school. Prior to the formal meetings, you may even want to write an email yourself or a letter to your child's new classroom and special ed teachers. This letter would highlight your child's strengths, areas of concern, and your expectations about your child's school environment, including anything else that you feel would help your school team know your child better in order to help smooth the school transition. So being informed and prepared is really the best way for us to advocate for our children. And you do not have to do it alone. There are many support people and organizations uh, there available to assist you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We would like to give a special thanks to the Wounded Warrior Project for making today's possible. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.